I'm moving to Manchester. I don't care what the pay is. I don't. I don't. I don't. I just. I want to go somewhere where people like me. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Battery Mates. Uh, it's so great to be uh, recording these during during the season. There's actual baseball being played while we're recording this. Uh, from Chicago, this is Toby, and way over in England land, um, we have... You want, to, you want to introduce yourself? Oi, oi, I'm Matthew. I'm calling in from that London. But I think this is one of... This is going to be one of the last episodes of Battery Mates with me calling in from london um probably should have formulated that sentence a little bit better <laughs> so people didn't think we were canceling canceling the season i'm moving to manchester i wish i wish 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 i could say i was moving to manchester new hampshire but i'm moving <laughs> to manchester england manchester england in a, in a in a few weeks time so the the countdown is ticking on on um calling in from london well, that's it's super exciting. So that fits under the next segment of what the hell is happening over there with our special <laughs> correspondent, uh, our chief over there correspondent, Matthew McGregor. Uh, so you're moving house, as as you say, um, as an idiom that we that I don't say over here in America, but I've learned from you. What do you say? I think we just say moving. Yeah, or... Well, how, how do you differentiate for people that you're just like moving from one room to another room? I think you'd say I'm moving to Manchester. I'm moving. Uh, I, I yeah, I don't think there's a, a scenario where I would say moving house or changing okay. house. Changing. We locations. don't say changing house. <laughs> we, don't, we don't say changing house. I'm moving Getting house. Getting residence update. Uh, no, I don't know what we'd say. Uh, I'm moving. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a movers. I'm I'm evacuating the house. <laughs> <laughs> Not evacuating me. That would be disgusting. Yeah, we're moving to Manchester, um, and Manchester, famously the home of Manchester United and Manchester City. Um, I don't know which is more evil than the other. I think I'm probably leaning more towards um, having some time for Manchester United after their recent protests. But yeah, it's been it's all been kicking off since we last spoke. Um, it's basically just been a fallout from the um, from the coup attempt. Um, there's lots of talk of the other Premier League teams. Um, having some kind of retribution against the greedy six, uh, kicking them off different wow. Premier League um, committees, um, uh, banning their executives from coming to meetings because those executives sat in meetings, had access to confidential information, and were using that to um, try and launch the coup. Um, and there's other, you know, other other bits and bobs going on. The the key thing for me is the the launch of a government uh, review of how football is governed. Um, run by a former sports minister. She is a Tory, so immediately slightly suspect, but is viewed generally across football as being really sound on issues of football, which are not necessarily, they don't have to be partisan or, or particularly ideological. I think they are a bit to some extent, but, you know, as a, for a Tory, she's seen as really good. Okay. Um, so that, that could lead to some real changes. You know, there's there's talk of having a an independent government regulator to oversee football. Um, so that it wouldn't be self-governing uh, anymore. There's even talk of changing the 
laws around how clubs are owned. In Germany, 51% of the shares of clubs have to be owned by the fans. And that uh, uh, really restricts what the owners can do. I don't, I don't think we'll go that far in England, but uh, I hope we do. I think that's the, to me, that's the, you know, the absolute minimum we should have. Um, but all in all, um, the greedy the greedy clubs are on the back foot. I think they've got the money and the power to um, hold out and and continue to dominate the game. But um, this is about as good as this is about as encouraging as it as it has been for fans for many many years, decades even. And just this week. Uh, the Manchester United versus Liverpool game was postponed because fans protested so much at the stadium that Whoa. the game couldn't be played. This is a fun one. A lot of people think there was worried, people were worried about the threat of violence, but it wasn't violence at all. The uh, fans were protesting outside. They found a way of getting into the stadium. They got into the stadium were protesting on the field, <laughs> and they took the they found the match balls. They took the balls and left the stadium. And the, the the Manchester United didn't have enough footballs to play the game. That's one of, that was a big factor in getting the game postponed. I don't think that the fans realised that that's what they were doing. They just wanted to take a memento of <laughs> having broken into the stadium. There's, they were taking the corner flags. They were trying to take the nets down. You know, it's not every day you get end up on the pitch. But yeah, so it's been it's been pretty good. But I think that's probably enough enough soccer chat for this baseball podcast i'm glad you brought that up i had literally had not heard that story um that that, that <laughs> seems like a really big deal and uh, i don't know there's going to be an oral history of that someday that'll be glorious and there's probably a supercut of that and the insurrection on the capitol that'll be um you know done to uh quite a lot of lols um you also celebrated a big holiday over there oh a huge day over here um yeah. I, we don't i think it, this is one of those one of those festivals that a bit like, you know, Christmas in England is celebrated by basically everybody, whether you're you're Christian or not. Sure. Thanksgiving is, um, you know, even Thanksgiving um, is starting to be kind of noted around the world. American culture is so dominant. So people in England are kind of kind of kind of figuring out Thanksgiving a little bit. It kind of gets, you know, one of those festivals that gets picked. Well, we have the festival here uh, Ed Balls Day um, <laughs> that we celebrate each year to celebrate um, the time that Ed Balls, the former Labour MP, former chairman of Norwich City Football Club, uh, tweeted his own name. Uh, that was the entirety of the tweet. And his name is Ed Balls. Um, so uh, it, it went down well on the Internet. You know, he's asked about this um, whenever he's asked about um, his name. He says, you know, it was tough growing up when I was at school, but you should you should feel much more sorry for my sister, Ophelia. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, this is pretty good. That's a good pretty, line. pretty good joke. That's a good pretty joke. Pretty good joke. So yeah, it was Ed Ball's day this week. I've uh, one of my proudest possessions is a oh yeah, Ed, Ed was a Labour MP and you know you have um posters, you know, yard signs. We don't put yard signs out in England. We have posters that you give to people and you sort of stick them on the inside of your window in your in your front in your front room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. Um I've got one of those and it just says Ed Ball's Labour on it. I'm pretty <laughs> pretty proud of that. So that was, a, that was a big day. It was a big day. A much bigger day in politics, I thought, um, was Joe Biden. Um, mm. It's not not every day that we get uh, Joe Biden coming out and and speak. You know, he's a consensual guy. Yeah. You know, he wants to bring people together. He cares about unity. Uh, he took a really, really um, firm and bold stance this week. Um, 
he was asked uh, <laughs> he was asked when he was out getting tacos. I don't actually know what the question was, but the 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 quote that um, that uh, Mark Memoli, uh, uh, a former battery mates, uh, has a former battery mates appearance on the yep. show. He said uh, that Joe Biden told him Philadelphia fans are the most informed and the most obnoxious fans in the world. <laughs> I think that's that's half right. He's half right. <laughs> Oh, and I love it because he, he says it and then he can get gets away with the the quip like that because he says, and I know because I'm I'm married to one, which is <laughs> which is great. I mean, I think, it, you know, it really softens the blow for Philadelphia fans, makes them <laughs> a little more uh, heartwarming for people who are like <laughs> Philadelphia fans are not the most informed fans in the world. But um, really love that. Uh, and, you know, um, that's a good it's a good, really good pivot because there's some baseball tie ins to the rest of the administration that kicks off her around the horn. Should we just go right, right, right in here? All right. Let's go so... around the horn. We, we're going to, I think we're going to go twice around the horn today. I mean, well, we've, got a lot of, we've got a lot of small things to talk about. Yeah. We're playing small ball on battery. Well, there's a lot going on. There's just a lot going on. Um, and let's start with uh, our, our talks about, um, you know, as long as we're in a global pandemic, we're going to be talking about the global pandemic. So, uh, Dr. Fauci uh, was interviewed yesterday or the day, other day uh, this week, uh, and let's say let's say it was this week. Um, pretty sure it was this week. He was said that we are in the bottom of the sixth in the fight against COVID, um, which it led to a lot of. I saw a lot of good. Um, you know, I, I hope they're not bringing in so and so from the bullpen, <laughs> um, and you know, I hope that I hope the Cleveland is uh, the you know I guess the anti-COVID forces here because we are the Clevelands are have outscored our opponents 39 by 39 runs from the sixth inning on. Uh, we are late bloomers in Cleveland. Um, I mean, you already knew that if you, uh, for those friends of mine. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but the, here's the big, the big thing is we are getting to the, the spot in this, this pandemic where uh, we're starting to peel back the, the restrictions. We're starting to, uh, you know, the, the, we're having fans in the, in the stands there are the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants have all rolled out fully vaccinated sections of their ballpark. Um, wait, and I, wait, wait, wait. I, I didn't know that. They have they have like a segregated bit of the stadium where you're you're only allowed to go there if you've had a – you're fully vaccinated. How do you prove that? Do you like take your card? See, this is the part I don't know. Um, and I assume there's some sort of, sort of demonstration or some sort of documentation you have to present, but uh, – yeah, and my understanding is it really I, – I don't know if the prices change, but you're allowed to – first of all, you don't have to sell. They're, they're selling tickets in pods of two, four, six, and eight in most stadiums, and here you can buy you know any number of tickets, I imagine, um, and there's no spacing between the seats. You know, I, I've gone now to uh, three games. Uh, it's three very socially distanced games at Guaranteed Rate Field um, that are zip-tied, where the seats are zip-tied. Um, so they, they ensure, I mean, unless you cut the zip ties, which, you know, I've seen people do, um, <laughs> that you really have, uh, you know, some, some, some social distancing, um, you know, kind of in place there. But I, I don't know um, what it's like to be in the fully vaccinated section. Um, I'm, I become fully two weeks out from my second jab uh, this coming Tuesday. So maybe I'll have to fly to L.A. just to see what it's like. <laughs> um, sure. But uh, so I, yeah, I, I bear the lead there. I, I've gone to three games in, in, in Chicago, um, mostly day games while we have a kid in daycare. Um, but uh, I, I have to say, it's 
Don't you have two kids now, Toby? I don't think that's right. I got. <laughs> I mean, I can check my notes here. Oh wait, yes. Okay, yes. I. I. We do have two kids. Yes. <laughs> There's been a lot of bartering and trading about time uh, for watching the newborn. Um, I've usually only given up things to go to baseball games. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I've. Uh, I have to say, it's wonderful to be back in the ballpark. I felt extremely like they're they're taking it very seriously the the stadium at least in Chicago and um, except for the bathrooms the bathrooms are the one area where there's not really anybody monitoring it and especially later on in the game between innings it can get awfully crowded um, so I I'm trying you know you have I have a new bathroom strategy which um, I have a separate podcast as you know uh, about bathroom strategy so uh, we can talk about that later uh, on that program. The other uh, development last couple days, uh, the Yankees and the Mets have announced that uh, if you get vaccinated at the stadium, they will give you free tickets to another game, which is pretty great. Uh, I mean, other than you have to go to another game that we were watching the Yankees or Mets, but that's a pretty good deal. Uh, in fact, I, I almost want to go get jabbed again uh, if they were going to do that here in Chicago or in Cleveland. I would absolutely get another jab. That was my question of like... I didn't. I deliberately didn't read the article, so I because I didn't want to know. Like, how do they know? How do they stop people from getting like multiple vaccinations? It's gonna be like donating blood five times. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to the whole season, whole series. <laughs> I mean, that's a great that's a great opportunity for for Yankees fans and for Mets fans. That is a free opportunity to boo somebody, and <laughs> they they love doing that. So good for them. Uh, and finally, just an update on our last uh, last program we talked about the teams that have reached the threshold uh for loosening restrictions um and the uh report last week uh says nine teams have reached the threshold didn't name the teams or sorry nine teams will have reached the threshold once their two-week period is up so that the story i was reading was like this is great news we're making progress i kind of saw that glass half empty because there's 21 teams who haven't reached 85 percent uh, which is super sad well, and awful. Twenty-one teams that haven't reached that threshold, and it's taken this long to get yeah. nine teams. Yes. I mean, they could have had these. These. these they're privileged athletes. They could have had the va- access to the vaccine at any point. Yeah. But I know people are like clamoring to get the vaccine. These people have been holding out, and that is crazy. Yes. Yeah, it's not great. Um, and I, I think I, I'd like to see some more um, sh- social shaming uh, of these teams, the 21 teams, once we because eventually the reporters are going to know, you know, if they're if they're te- if they're, the teams aren't like are still, you know, in the clubhouse or I guess they don't get a lot of insight into what's going on in the clubhouse these days. But I'm sure they'll they'll figure it out sooner than later. And um, I just like to I'd like to see an accounting of, of what teams are, are are on the up and up and which ones are lagging behind and uh, a team full of anti-vaxxers, you know? <laughs> I know this is not interesting to a, an audience that is listening to this podcast multiple, multiple hours after the game that I'm watching while we record, but the Nationals just had a strike them out, throw them out, and I love, love, love that. I don't think there's anything more satisfying in a baseball <laughs> game. Um <laughs> It's just, I mean, it's almost, it's almost the most, it's the most sarcastic of the double plays. <laughs> oh, now we have a name for this episode. Um, <laughs> okay, let's go, let's, let's keep on moving around the horn. We got a lot to cover tonight. Um, tonight, uh, your people are listening to this, huh? you know, could be listening to it anytime. 
this morning during breakfast. Did you, did you just call our audience you people? Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Toby. Way to go. I'm struggling. Um, so I think the, the, the second thing here I wanted to, to bring up, there's just no the offense has been really lagging so far this season. Uh, I don't know if you've heard. There have been three, or depending on how you count, four no-hitters already this season. But that's just those are just the edge cases. We're talking about the lowest April batting average in Major League Baseball since 1968. That's 53 years. And, uh, you know, there were, there were st- stories early on about... And, you know, granted, look, April is, and May are always usually pretty bad for offense before things start heating up in a lot of ballparks like literally um the weather getting warmer you know it's it's harder on offense uh to 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 produce however it we're talking about a pretty dramatic uh decline in offense uh you know we're right there 232 is the average for the month of april and of 2021 uh right between april 1910 and april 1908 on the list of worst months uh of uh, in offensive baseball history so I, I, Matthew, what do you think's going on here? We've we talked. There's aerodynamics and the ball being unjuiced. There's like pitching is just becoming elite, you know, more and more elite as time goes on. What do you think's actually happening, or do you think that people are finally the steroids are wearing off of all? <laughs> <laughs> it's all of the I don't know. It's all of the above, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's a it's a mixture of a whole bunch of things. I also feel like the 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 thing I would add is this season feels a little bit. I don't know. I, I think that, that, that 2020 was so hard and so weird and the, the stadiums aren't full. And I think that has a little bit of an impact on, hmm. um, you know, around the edges. Baseball is a, um, a, a, a sport of small margins. And I don't think that the kind of like weirdness of the situation and the lack of fans is is the thing, but it's a contributing factor um, along with all of the other things that you, you've said. But I don't know. I mean, I, I I think the the biggest of all of those is is the quality of pitching, and you know I think we're 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 rapidly coming up on on the on the cycle where every thirty years or so as pitching improves, they give me around with the with the mound. And I think that's where we're that's where we're heading. Yeah, and I don't even know if that's gonna. I mean, who knows what how effective that'll be? They'll test it out. Um, but I yeah. I think we're in an era where we're all seeing pitchers be better than they've ever been before. So I don't really know uh, how fast they can over overcome that uh, kind of game. But who knows? Maybe they'll just change the ball, change the game entirely. Um, <laughs> we'll keep an eye on this. Stop. It's just it May 5th stop. or 6th. Um, we should at least try it out, maybe in the international leagues or one of the, the minor leagues. Um, try it with a cricket ball. It's much heavier. <laughs> See how that see how that affects things. <laughs> um, every 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 third pitch you have to throw underhand. Sorry. Um, <laughs> can I can I talk about um, Angel Hernandez? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I just <laughs> I love talking about this guy because he's he's such a he's such a super villain now in this sport. Like literally nobody likes him. Yeah. It's incredible. If I was this unpopular in any walk of life, I would just be like. I don't, I don't care what the pay is. I don't, I don't, I don't, I just, I want to go somewhere where people like me and he sucks and, and everybody thinks that he sucks. 
So um, this is uh, last night, right? As as we're recording, this is last night. Uh, um, I think it was Cleveland. two nights ago. Yeah. Two nights ago, I, I, time differences gets a bit weird because I I watch highlights first thing in the morning, um, and sometimes first thing in the morning for me is still like <laughs> the, the, it's still playing when I've woken up, so it all gets a bit weird. Kansas City at Cleveland, Cleveland at Kansas City, Cleveland at Kansas City, yep, Cleveland at Kansas City. Um, uh, there were there was a, an, an appalling call where a fly ball. Um, was he he called it out right i mean he 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 said it was yeah and it was not in fact out yeah he he called he called the the ball caught like it not it it looked like it might leave the park and then it bounced like next to the the outfielder's glove onto the track into another outfielder's glove yeah yeah he's so that is a that is a, a a blown call if ever there was one uh, it caused an it caused an out because uh, I can't remember who was running the bases, but he reacted to the umpire's call and tried to retreat. He was asked about it afterwards. As you saw, I basically I got basically blinded by the outfield scoreboard. The pixels on the light were as clear as white can be. I was trying to make out what happened out there. The harder I looked, the less I could see. So I was trying to read the players to see what they did with the ball, <laughs> and I had to come out with a call. I basically guessed on the wrong call. <laughs> like, I love that. Like, well, it was 50-50. Can't blame you for trying. <laughs> and, and like, if you watch the replay, and I was happened to be watching it in real time. Um, if you watch the replay, it clearly, it, it happened so fast that I see exactly what happened. He didn't see the ball hit the ground. The, the, it, it hit the ground and the, the other outfielder caught it on the, the first bounce. Like, it was... And so it was. It was fairly like unless you saw it, unless you were tracking it the whole time, it it might have been a bad, uh, a hard call to make. However, he was the first base umpire. He didn't need to make a call. That wasn't his call. In fact, the second base umpire. Uh, the, the the real problem is no one was signaling safe or out. And so when he went ahead and signaled out, the third base coach saw his signal and said, "Oh shit, you got to get back." There were runners on second and third. And and uh, when this ball was hit, both runners should have easily scored, right? Like easily. <laughs> and this runner on second didn't know if he had a tag up, or he, he actually literally got himself <laughs> into a rundown because he went back and forth. Uh, oh my god, the story keeps getting better. By the way, I don't. Did you see that? Part of that other part of the quote there is he's. I think this is the way he started that what the quote you just read. He said, "Our goal was to get the play right, and that's exactly what we did." <laughs> Which, which you know, they did go, they, they did huddle. The umpires huddled, and they decided, oh yeah, Angel Hernandez really screwed this up. Um, we, it's totally reasonable that the runner was confused. We're not going to call him out. We're going to let him go to third. But that is in no way. Royals fans aren't pleased by that outcome because he should have scored. <laughs> you know, Cleveland fans aren't uh, pleased by that outcome because the guy was tagged out. <laughs> you know, right, we, you know, right. we don't know. It's not our fault. Uh, you know, it's it, a weird it, thing in baseball that the, the umpires can say, "Oh, this happened and that happened, and that was a bit of a weird thing." So we're just going to decide now what we think yeah, should have happened. Yeah. You don't get that in other sports yeah. where, like, you know, there was a there was a um, a, a foul. You get a penalty yeah. because you would have scored, but you don't just give the goal. You still got to <laughs> score the penalty. My my favorite bit of the whole thing was Terry Francona's reaction. 
I don't know if he if he told the media this or if he was overheard. Overheard. I think he told the media. Yeah. He said, "I just kind of told Angel, why is it always happening when you're here?" <laughs> Which is savage. That is so brutal. That is so tough. That is so tough. It just shows a level of disrespect yeah. that people in the game have for him. Yeah, and it really, it's a, the thing is that run didn't end up scoring. Uh, Cleveland pitching ended up getting out of the inning without that run scoring. Um, and I and I don't really remember, but I think there might have been one out. So like they were they they run around third and one out, and they didn't didn't bring that home run that run home, um, which is just bad execution to be clear. But that run probably should have scored. Um, and it was a it was a close game at the time. Um, but I love that, and it kind of boiled over the next into the next game last night. Um, there was <laughs> Angel <laughs> Hernandez umpired game that boils over from night to night who would have thought that was possible never happened before <laughs> yeah he, he well he was at first base for the on tuesday night and wednesday night he was behind the plate so bound to be inserting himself into the game quite a bit now i've seen that you know there's um umpire like ratings twitter account that like shows how good the uh home plate balls and strikes calling was based on the like you know the computers uh reading of, of whether it was a ball or strike he got like uh, I think a hundred of one hundred and six calls right last night, which is pretty good. I I would say like reasonable for a human being, um, and a really high percentage I think when it comes to, uh, you know, umpires these days. So he had a good night behind the plate, but I think that what you just said the the the, the seething disrespect that players and coaches and managers have for Angel Hernandez. It doesn't matter if he's having a good night. When he does, does something that is you think is questionable or he does think it's something that pisses you off, it all just bubbles over. And uh, there was a balk called in a really critical moment. It was a clear balk. He, uh, uh, Brady Singer, the Royal starter, balked and it, you know, put two runners in scoring position in a really close game. And the pitching coach for the Royals uh, just completely lost his mind. Like, you know, I've never seen a pitching coach like act like a, you know, low A uh, manager who rips his hat off and throws it down the ground. It was it was really performatively, uh, excitingly angry. Um, and to the point where then his, the manager, Matheny, had to get, had to get himself tossed too, just because he can't, he had to protect his, his coach. Uh, but then Brady Singer, when he got taken out of the game about 20 minutes later, 15 minutes later, he's, he starts telling Andrew Hannes how bad he is. He gets tossed. So it's, it's you know it's one of those things that just fun to see. Uh, it was a good one. It was a good one. Um, let's go on to um, John well, Means' perfect game. One quick thing: Did you know he got mm. he sued Major League Baseball in the off season, Be- uh, or the umpires, uh, or Major League Major League Baseball? He got he, he sued. He had a lawsuit alleging he was discriminated against. It was racial discrimination um, that he hasn't been given. Uh, he hasn't been made a crew. He wasn't made a crew chief. He hasn't been given yeah. given like playoff. Uh, key playoff games to to umpire and you know one i want to say 100 percent believable that there'd be racial discrimination in something like that so i don't want to discount something that kind of allegation however major league baseball or the umpires association whatever it is produced they had receipts they showed all of their internal records about angel hernandez's quality of umpiring and essentially forced the judge to make it public record how bad an umpire angel hernandez is and said like yeah, they had a pretty good reason uh, not to give him a promotion. Uh, his in-game management skills, his situation, his crisis management—like 
He's not just not not an elite uh, umpire. That and it's just like now it's officially on the record because he sued. Um, that it's like when you it's like when you take the team to arbitration after a, a, a season <laughs> where you've been really scuffling. Yeah, he's had a career where he's been scuffling, and he <laughs> took them to arbitration. <laughs> it got tough for him pretty quick. Okay, let's talk about John Means' perfect game. <clears throat> With an asterisk, asterisk yeah. it. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this one because the uh, Orioles are, are kind of our, our funny local rivals who suck, and so they're like good to laugh at. But also, a uh, huge friend of the pod, uh, Alex Norris MP, is a, a big Orioles fan. So I get I get much more um, Orioles news than I used to. Uh, now now I now I know Alex, and um, he alerted me to the um, to the to the brewing fun um quite early so i was actually able to watch it in a classic dad move i fell asleep at the bottom of the eighth inning because <laughs> i i don't have very much sleep and um uh so i was watching in bed and like then woke up with my ipad on my face uh with the game over so that wasn't a great way to to watch the end of the game but it was a it was a it was a fantastic performance i mean he was really dealing and um it was almost a perfect game but not quite you you explain this. You're much more articulate about this than I am. So it happened early in the game. It was like the third inning. Um, John Means had – he struck a batter out on a curveball that bounced in the dirt, and the, the catcher, uh, who I'm blanking on the name right now, just, just couldn't dig it out. Um, and it got... Obviously, Pedro Severino. Oh, like, Pedro Severino. The one guy you don't want to be behind the plate. <laughs> Yeah, so he he kind of went through his legs. He he picked it up and wasn't able to throw him out in time. So runner reaches base on that uh, you know drops drop strike three rule, um, which you know is I, I, you know not really controversial except in moments like this where it came and you know even then nobody was talking about it until it, it appeared to be like he had a perfect game <laughs> going into the eighth inning. Uh, and MLB, you the one who told me the MLB's like app still had it marked as a perfect game. Which is just not accurate. It's it's technically a no hitter, um, and they have changed it uh, since. Uh, you know, I don't know if they changed it during the game or after the game, but um, technically not a perfect game if a runner reaches base. I, I don't know the the technical. I think if his runner reaches base at all, I think it's not a perfect game. Uh, yeah. And you know, I think technically a wild pitch is is a form of an error. So now the, this this is brought up. <laughs> Coincidentally, uh, Anthony Castrovins for MLB.com wrote a story about the origin of this rule. It's a weird rule. You know, it doesn't really make, it doesn't track with a whole lot of other parts of the game. Uh, and he, he did this deep dive on it like a month ago. Like this is, you know, it was just strange, strange timing. Um, but it reads, like, you go read the article. It's really wonderful. Uh, but it reads like parody. Like this doesn't seem possibly true. Like there's no way. So it goes back to a guy named... Johann Christoph Friedrich Gutsmuth. Um, and it's spelled Gutsmuth. Yeah, that's uh, easy for you to say. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he uh, most people do know he came up with the game Ball mit Freistaten oder des English Baseball. <laughs> that's, that, that, that was my good... That's good German, right? Mm. <laughs> I, took, uh, I took two months of German in sixth grade. So, guten Tag. But... <laughs> Uh, spam house. Um, but the only the only German I know is from war films, so I'm not going to use any of it. <laughs> that Handy translates pop. that translates to ball with free states or English baseball. So he and this is in the 1700s, I think. 
because um, this is a game that's been around, right? Uh, but we're starting to put rules on it. And what he decided to do was, because we didn't want the game to be delayed, it was like a kid's game. They, they wanted people to play it as a form of exercise, right? So we didn't, he didn't want uh, there to be delays with when batters just weren't very good. So everybody got three attempts to hit the ball. Uh, and whether, you know, if you didn't make contact on the first, second, or third attempt, after three, live ball, you get to go. Um, and I, 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 so that's really, that is essentially the origin of this rule. Um, and it's evolved, obviously, over time. But do you think, so every once in a while you hear about people complaining, usually in moments like this, where it interrupts some stat, um, or, you know, causes a, a game to, to, to change momentum but do you do you think like do you like this rule do you do you think this should stick around or do you want to do you want to see this uh this old relic uh really old uh you know sort of like the gestation just, of baseball I, rule I, I don't i don't get it. it it's just slapstick there's there's no there's no there's no rationale for it. It, it it doesn't it sticks out from the rest of the game i'm sort of like generally speaking against any rule changes at all I just don't like messing around with it, but you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Why? What? What? What purpose does it serve? I think, in my mind, it. Um, you know, as I, I have no idea if this is any basis in fact, but it what it presented to me as you got to catch the ball for the guy to be out. Like, and that made sense to me. Like, if you don't catch the ball, like you didn't complete the play, and. So I can I can kind of squint and see the the why that makes sense there. That's how I made it make sense in my brain as I learned the sport. But, uh, yeah, but I forget was it... only on only on the third strike. I mean, it doesn't you don't have to catch the ball on the. Well, do you remember this a couple of years ago that the independent league, one of the independent leagues, was experimenting with, with like, being able to advance to first on any pitch. Yeah. <laughs> see that cha- that changes the rule quite a bit. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I I, I kind of don't I got, hate. I got to say, I like almost any sentence with the independent league was experimenting <laughs> with. Oh, it doesn't doesn't matter where that sentence goes from there. I I'm almost definitely gonna like it. <laughs> I honestly like this rule better now that I've learned that uh, you know Johann Christoph Friedrich Gutsmuth. Um, this this background, this the story. I think is, it, it, it you know it makes at least it ties it together historically, and I it, I feel like if it even if it doesn't make logical sense for the game's rules um it's at least colorful and gives you something to talk about in the stands you know i want to know why why johan called it english baseball I, that's uh, well, so, so, just just seems just seems rude <laughs> just seems rude gonna gonna check out gonna check that out should we talk about the last one on the round the horn then we yeah speaking of rude my sponsors yeah just a quick one i just i just you know it, it's kind of one of those things where the trend only gets noticed when people in New York are doing it. This has been going on for a while. Oakland has been absolutely fantastic. Other stadiums have been really, really good on this, uh, giving the Astros um, a huge amount of trash talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you see, yeah. I've been, I mean, I've been looking forward to saying that all day. Wait, you saved it from when I had coffee in, in my mouth. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been looking forward to saying it all day. The trash talk aimed at the Astros as. Um, reached fever pitch in New York uh, to the point where the team complained uh, and reportedly, reportedly, <laughs> reportedly, <laughs> allegedly, 
the uh, the team the team uh, uh, they really went and bashed some trash cans uh, about that one, <laughs> and they are they are really angry. To me, that makes me much more enthusiastic about giving them a hard time because you know that it's actually making a difference. There was um uh, Buster Olney on his uh, podcast today was talking about whether the pressure from the trash talk from fans is making Jose Altuve um, swing at uh, uh, bad pitches because he's he's a player that that goes on confidence and the um, the abuse and the booing is getting to his confidence. I just think that is incredible. Literally, his <laughs> batting average is suffering because people are giving him a hard time. It's really really great. So um, hopefully, we see much more of that. I don't think anyone is going to top. Uh, Oakland in the I think it was the first series of the season Good. where fans threw an actual trash can onto the field. <laughs> I mean that's absolutely world class. Top 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 notch stuff. A, a Yankees fan did get removed from the game for bringing an inflatable trash can. Um he got and it, there's there's video of it and and I don't know if this is a friend of his or just a random bystander, but somebody hands him a like a tall boy Bud Light as he's being escorted out by security. Like someone from the stands is walking up the aisle, and I gotta say, like that's some <laughs> commitment. That is that is excellent. Uh, and fair you know, play. yeah, fair play is exactly right. So, but, but they think that the security threw him out because they were under pressure from the Astros over that kind of behavior. Really? Okay. Mm. Uh, that's the that's the chat that that, that they they kind of that has been allowed to to go like hearted banter and all that kind of stuff. But the Astros organization is saying we're sick of this. We want to put stop to it. So I just think that's outrageous. <laughs> fan ba- fan banter is basically the only uh, bit of American sports culture that is any any good. Yeah, and and there if you've watched some of the videos from New York, the echoes of uh, fuck Altuve, fuck Altuve have been pretty clear. Uh, from a you know ten thousand people in a large stadium, yeah. <laughs> it um, echoes as well because the stadium's not. Full. <laughs> uh, right, we have a word from our sponsor. Yeah, we have a very special word from our sponsor today. This episode of Battery Mates is brought to you by our very own Matthew McGregor, who is being selected with pitches right now because he's planning on taking a big old walk. Matthew is commemorating the anniversary of his father's passing by taking up one of his father's favorite pastimes, walking a very long distance. Later this month, Matthew is going to walk just shy of a marathon to meet his sister for tea. And uh, generally, if you're walking that kind of distance, you better be in the Scottish rock duo The Proclaimers, or you better be doing it for good cause. And in this case, it's at least the latter. Matthew is raising money for Solace Women's Aid, an organization that does absolutely critical work. And we're going to tweet out a link. Uh, we're at battery underscore mates on Twitter. Anyone can chip in to support Matthew in the biggest base on balls of his life. Thank you to Matthew for your support of Battery Mates and to tip of the cap to his dad, the late Alistair McGregor. Well, that's a very special word from our sponsor um, that, uh, you know, honestly, we, we we don't like to give discounts for um, uh, any of our commercials we run. And so we didn't this time around either. Um, but, uh, you know, Matthew, you've been raising money now for a couple days. Uh, how's it going? And... Uh, how have you? How are you planning to spend it? How, have you already spent? What's What's the deal? What's going on? Well, I'm I'm raising money for um, a really important cause, and um, I'm doing it in in honor of, of my dad, and um, uh, it's going really well. I mean, I'm, I had like a I set a target initially of 500 pounds, which is around 495 dollars, 
and um, blew through that in the first day. That was a currency conversion joke, um, in case you missed it. Um, and uh, blew through that, and it's going really well. And I'm really, really grateful for all of the people that have donated. I mean, joking aside, I have now spent that money on um, that ad. Yeah. But the way I see it is you have to spend money to make money. So, yes, I have taken all of the donations that people have given, which I really appreciated, and put them into um, this advertising campaign. Yeah. But my goal is that it will now blow up and, you know, it will be a huge, um, hugely ROI positive moment. So hopefully I can rely on Battery Mates Nation on that one. Yeah. For the two or three of you who are listening, please go donate because Matthew needs to recoup the <laughs> the, the money that uh, that he, he's already spent here. I was. I want to wrap this episode with a. Um, we talked a little bit about this last time. You know, with the change, with with when Manfred announced that Major League Baseball is moving the All Star Game to Denver, uh, there's been this huge <laughs> uh, kind of uproar from the political right here in the United States, um, in which some let's just call them empty threats have been made uh, about removing Major, Major League Baseball's uh, anti-Trump's antitrust exemption, and. I have to admit, like, not, it's all been pretty fuzzy for me, even, what, what that really, really entailed, why that's important. I, you know, I know the, the, the architecture of the, or the, like, the, the foundation of what, what this is and what, it, why it matters, but I didn't really, uh, I, I didn't feel well-versed on it. And so I want to take a moment to do a deep dive on the antitrust update, or antitrust uh, situation with Major League Baseball and why, um, even though it's clearly pathetic and a bluff uh, at retaliation here um, what Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley are doing um, might actually get the attention of Major League Baseball or at least it's something that uh, people should be aware of is an issue um, so first of all I, I think I want to talk about why this exists and what it is because it doesn't apply to so Major League Baseball has uh, an exemption uh, that the courts have acknowledged from antitrust law uh, you know, the, the law that basically says you can't go be a monopoly. And so, and, and act, you know, there, we'll get into what that entails in a minute here, but this is, this dates back to a 1922 Supreme court ruling. Um, uh, interestingly enough, a lower court ruling uh, was made by judge Kennesaw mountain Landis, who we all might remember from eight men out, um, and who become the commissioner of baseball to at some point there. And for was the commissioner of baseball for, for, think over a decade long time yes spectacularly racist and a very racist yes um super super racist uh not a good dude great name not a good dude kennesaw mountain landis um judge judge mountain landis okay so this what what happened was the federal league was a kind of an independent league uh a professional league started in 1914 uh there's eight teams that tried to like you know, this is back when baseball was still kind of making, becoming a, a, a national pastime. And it was having a really hard time uh, succeeding up against the American and National Leagues. And uh, it sued uh, for because the American National Leagues, the rest of professional baseball is acting like a monopoly. Um, and what apparently Landis stalled. He just was like, you know what? I'm hoping this, this league goes away and just I don't have to rule on this. But what happened was... And, it, and he got—he actually got his wish. You know, the the, the league completely shuttered. Eight, seven of the eight teams removed their uh, their 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 lawsuit, 
And but this this team from Baltimore, the Baltimore Terrapins, they they plowed forth and they actually won their case at the lower levels uh, that Major League or the Major League Baseball was in violation of uh, you know antitrust, the Sherman Antitrust Act. Um, but it went to the Supreme Court and a unanimous decision written by Oliver Wendell Holmes, which is someone I even even heard of. You know, like that's a real jurist, I think. Um, he he essentially ruled that uh, baseball wasn't subject to the Sherman Antitrust Act because it wasn't engaging in interstate commerce, which is hilarious because <laughs> <laughs> like it's basically saying that teams play they play in local local municipalities it's a little it's a little like backyard thing um it's, you know we don't need to get involved here which is even in 1922 was just completely ludicrous like banter absolute legal banter yeah teams were crossing the interstate lines daily um so so that but that was kind of a fluke honestly um and so it's been challenged several times since then. The two really notable uh, challenges, uh, there was one I'm actually, I didn't write down the name, but, you know, a minor league player was, was challenging, um, uh, you know, the, the, the essentially the, whether Major League Baseball deserved an exemption. And the courts, like, what they, what they tend to do is routinely put it back on Congress. They're saying, like, hey, look, we ruled in 1922 and Congress has a, they can they can solve this problem if they think there's a problem here if they think baseball is in violation of the um, of of antitrust uh, sp- the spirit of antitrust law and they should be uh, you know um, that antitrust law should be, apply to them they can go pass legislation to make it true um, and they also you know in their rulings often say like and if we rule now you know there's all this retroactive liability that could really screw over a lot of um, people which is kind of bullshit but okay um flood the big one is the the kurt flood case in 1972 which challenged the reserve clause which a lot of baseball fans know um is how we got free agency the challenging um you know essentially the right of teams to own players you know you know they have the right to reserve them the players on their team for the the next season and give them whatever contract they want to give them you know they don't have to pay them fair for value at all and screwed over a lot of players uh, up through about 1974, 73, uh, 74. Um, but what most people don't remember is that SCOTUS actually ruled against uh, Kurt Flood. They upheld the exemption and gave, and, and allowed um, the reserve clause to continue. Now, uh, Kurt Flood actually ended up winning the, the day on this and getting free agency passed or, uh pass into the rules through arbitration it was through like a labor agreement essentially um but again scotus deferred to precedent so this is um this is where we are now you know uh congress did end up passing a law called the kurt flood act of 1998 which does allow uh an exemption to major league baseball's antitrust exemption giving major league baseball players the right to file antitrust suits against baseball um but they passed it because it was it was part of the compromise from the 1994 strike between the union and owners, uh, but it doesn't do anything because essentially the existence of the union, uh, you know, and labor law over you know supersedes antitrust law. I don't understand that piece of it. I just read it. So that's but that's true apparently. Um, <laughs> so uh, major league baseball players, yes, they could um, if the union was disbanded, which they could apparently do. Um, they could file antitrust suits against major league baseball for. Um, 
you know, not paying them fair, fair wages and et cetera. But they have a, an arbitration, they have a, a, you know, a CBA, and so they have um, a la- labor agreement in place. Now, can we change our can we change our Twitter bio to I don't understand it. I just read it. <laughs> this is our research team is just really coming through today. Um, <laughs> but okay, so here's the you know, and I uh, I want to just wrap up with like some of the ramifications here. So the reason why um, this is a pretty big it's, it's a really big deal that Major League Baseball has this exemption. Courts have not given this exemption to at the NBA or the NFL. Um, or other sports leagues. And so this is a great quote. There's a, there's a really good, uh, if, you're, if you're interested in the subject and the history, there's a really good Fangraphs article. Um, but if, you, and if there's a really good um, athletic piece about the ramifications of the, um, of if they were actually to get rid of the uh, antitrust exemption uh, by Evan Drellich uh, of The Athletic. And he, in his story, he has a quote from a labor lawyer uh, in w- that, that sums it up this way why it's important that baseball has this exemption or why this is a big deal. He says, from the most elementary perspective, you have to remember what Major League Baseball is. It's an unincorporated association that has 30 clubs as its members. And those 30 clubs get together and collude on all sorts of things that would typically run afoul of antitrust laws in other industries, including with their treatment of employees. So the big one here, major leaguers are kind of fine because they have this labor agreement in place and they, they, you know, they have free agency and arbitration and all that stuff. And, um, are generally paid well. It's really the minor leaguers are the ones that get screwed here. Um, minor league, you know, organizations and franchises are, are pretty much, uh, you know, they, as we just saw, um, we we went from 160 minor league teams to 120, and Major League Baseball got just got to dictate that. Um, that's how much much control they have. Um, I think the the other thing that I didn't ever occurred to me is that there's a, a, a an agreement from Major League Baseball teams for, you know, uh, non-player employees and broadcasters can't go, like, competing for jobs across the league. So they can really keep pay and salaries down um, because these are, you know, some of these jobs are extremely specific or highly skilled, and they can pay, they can make it so you can't go get a job with another team without the permission of that team, uh, of the current team you're on. Which is would be completely illegal in any other yeah. walk of life, and this is this is where blackouts come from as well, right? Yeah, it, it, well, and it's this is being this is also something that's being challenged, um, and there was some movement on this in the courts, but yeah, Major League Baseball because they have such strong, gra- uh, you know, um, grip on all of the things related to baseball, including merchandise and broadcast rights and all that. The blackout rules and the broadcasting rules are essentially agreed to by the owners, and that's and that's what's what's going. Um, now, with, when this was challenged recently, a couple years ago, uh, the courts found it was a class action lawsuit that uh, a bunch of fans brought against the NHL and Major League Baseball, saying like, "Hey, they're all colluding to keep prevent me from being able to watch the games I want to watch um, unless I sign up for their product." Um, and that's against, you know, that's against monopoly law. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the court was basically sympathetic, saying, look, the Major League Baseball's antitrust exemption doesn't apply here. This is a broadcasting issue, not a um, not applying to its 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 uh, you know main business. It's not the business of baseball. It's the business of broadcasting. 
And so um, there was an opening to allow for some legal challenges here, but that, but it did <laughs> reject the lawsuit on the grounds that um, uh, I don't, and I don't fully understand why, but uh, could was not eligible for like a class action lawsuit. So there was going to be no payout. And because there was no payout, the lawyers dropped the um, case. So there could be rule. There could be a way here to get in on that 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 blackout broadcasting <laughs> stuff. But all this stuff kind of applies, and so it, it all falls under this. You know, base, major baseball basically gets to be this. You know, act with impunity when it comes to kind of like you know having a monopoly over a lot of parts of its of its product. So, and a lot of people are affected by that. So I don't know. I'm, I would not be against uh, if if Congress were to pass a law. Um, you know, making this a little bit more favorable toward uh, the minor leagues and the rest of the employees of Major League Baseball. But uh, I, I, I won't hold my breath. Let's say that. <laughs> so it sounds like what you're saying is go, go Ted Cruz. Yeah. Josh Hawley. I have a, I'm wearing a T-shirt that says go Josh Hawley. Um, oh, no. Sorry. It says go fuck yourself, Josh Hawley. Sorry. <laughs> but it depends on how we, if you zip your, your hoodie up the right way, just so you can see. So anyway, um. I know we're, we're a little over on where we wanted to go on time here, but I wanted to get that in because it's super nerdy. And by this point, no one's listening to the program anyway. So, um, <laughs> you could have, you could have just called Justin Braski and talked him through that. <laughs> I, I, I'm really grateful because I, the only thing I know about the, um, the antitrust exemption is the 30 seconds that is included in the, Ken Burns documentary where they, that gets covered and I watched that <clears throat> maybe 10 years ago didn't really understand it then either so thank you for that yeah um, I'm sure this will be something about, I remember uh, in two two weeks not <laughs> yeah. the um the thing that um I, I want to say to um uh, all legal jurists who are looking at the antitrust exemption to the supreme court justices who uh, have upheld it and uh, might consider it again in the future to members of Congress who um, could and, and maybe should act on it, I want to say, go shag those balls. Shag those balls.